What's up, everyone? This is Peter Neal from GSP REI, and you're listening to the Real Estate Investing On Point Podcast. This podcast is designed to help both active and passive real estate investors take their real estate investing game to the next level so that you can grow a successful real estate investing business or find out what to look for when you're investing passively in a real estate investment business. Let's get right into it. All right, gentlemen, how you doing? Welcome to a Another episode of the Real Estate Investing On Point podcast. I'm here with Wade Carroll and Ron Lockhart. How are you guys feeling today? Pretty good. How are you? <laughs> Ron, we we know you're a little tired. You've been doing a lot of driving. Yeah, a little bit. A little tired. Twenty mm-hmm. hours in the car yesterday. <laughs> we'll just we'll preface that uh, with everybody's in case they think you sound different than usual or something like that. So I'll, I'll try not to fall asleep. <laughs> Hopefully the conversation will will keep you going. So there's a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, we kind of, I think, over the week uh, between last week and this week, we shared a lot of different articles with e- with each other. Uh, some of them worth pointing out. Um, so yeah, I think one one thing that I've noticed lately is there's been some you know expose type articles when it comes to uh, real estate masterminds and communities and um what would be the word you know like uh gurus and and you know experts in the space who who run these large uh you know conferences and and they have these you know communities where you yeah you know, and educational platforms you know where you pay money and you know you learn how to syndicate uh real estate deals multifamily and plenty of that in in single family world and um you could probably find somebody in every asset class out there who if you, you spend the money and go to the conference or buy the course you know they'll teach you how to do whatever it is you're looking to do um so and one thing I bring it up because for for us um, with the real estate investing on point podcast, we you know we one thing we wanted to do was not just have a podcast where you know the three of us get together and and talk about you know market insight and you know our strategy, what we're doing, why we're doing it, you know, tell stories from past experience and things like that. But we also wanted to build a community. And, um, you know, try to help people as much as possible. Uh, maybe not do it in that kind of a way, at least in the beginning when it comes to like uh, having some course or, you know, some some $30,000 your mastermind or something like that. Um, but we did want to provide a platform, you know, where we could meet up with investors virtually to start and see how we can help. You know what I mean? And, and see what answers we can provide. And because... For us and and the asset class that we specialize in, you know, with with single family affordable housing, uh, it's a challenging space. And, and that was one of the articles we shared this week um, was was the challenges in investing in affordable housing. Uh, so you know, it, it, and not only is it a challenging space, but it can be extremely lucrative, especially if you know how to navigate the space. So, we over the years we've been able to refine and and perfect in some way, shape, or form our strategy and 
dealing in, you know, low income housing and workforce housing and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I think there's a, a place for uh, the masterminds and the educational platforms. And I know over the years, I've, you know, done many courses, gone to many conferences. I know plenty of investors who have, and it's helped them, you know, get out of the nine to five or, you know, create this new, you know, uh, it, part of their life, new chapter of their life. So um, I wanted to open up the conversation and, you know, see what what are your guys' takes on, you know, the, the real estate, you know, guru space and masterminds and, and educational platforms and things like that. And uh, maybe I'll start the question with, you know, have you have you done any of the any courses or been any of those conferences? And, you know, how how did you, if if not, I mean, how did you get into the space and, you know, what would your suggestions to, to people be and how to navigate that world? Kind of a lot of questions, but, you know, let's talk about it. Who wants to start? Ron, Wade? Wade, you want to start? <laughs> uh, no, I've never <laughs> taken any such courses or uh, mastermind events. You have never Hard spent knocks. a dime on real estate investment courses or any of anything. I'm sure you bought a book or two over the years or something like that. Or no, I mean the, the books I would buy would be more, you know, general investing things, more generic. You know, like I have a whole bunch of options trading books and stuff like that. It's, that, but that's more risk management, which sometimes applies, right? But. Uh, but no, I, I'm not, I don't know. I avoid masses of people, I would say that. <laughs> so, but I, I'm also, uh, I don't know, I learn the hard way. Like I, I have to physically take a beating before I learn anything, which I've done quite a bit, a lot of beatings. I would, you know, and I think, you know, not to interrupt you or, or cut no, you off, please. but, but, I, but I'm, I'm going to try and I'm going to try and help you out with this one. Um, <laughs> I, I think Wade and I come from, you know, we're both a similar age in our, our early fifties, and I don't think those courses were real prevalent when when we were starting out in the business. And yeah, that's a good point. You know, and not not to say it's something that we both would have utilized. Um, you know, I, I've always been a big reader. I mean, I was a history major in college. So, it, you know, my, 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 my educational experience in college certainly didn't translate to, to the real estate world. So, you know, I was very much like Wade, I was kind of trial and error. I mean, I, I definitely learned the hard way with some things. Um, that's kind of how I've always been though. Uh, I was always a, I was always stubborn, and and despite uh, having some people giving me advice, I didn't always take that advice. I was going to do it my way, and I was going to figure <laughs> out, you know, if it was going to work or not work. So, um, I think that was a good thing, and I think it was a bad thing at the same time because I do think that it's important to listen to other people that have experience. Um, as far as how that translates to, you know, conferences. Uh, educational programs, masterminds, I think it's always important to consider the source. Um, you know, if that's something that you're going to utilize in, in your investing journey or your real estate journey or whatever it may be, make sure you're doing some research on who you're listening to. And also, 
I would say don't take things at face value. Um, because I think sometimes it's very easy to get caught up in, in the show and the promise. And, you know, most of the time, even if a system works, the application of that system takes hard work. It's, it's not usually, you know, as easy as snapping your fingers and it's going to work. Uh, there's due diligence involved. Um, you know, if it's a real estate program that's teaching you how to, invest in single family, they can tell you how to go look for a house. They can tell you how to go get financing. They can tell you how to talk to a contractor or um, a builder, but you still need to vet those people. You need to vet the deal. So execution is important. Um, look, I, I think that that these, these programs, these events can serve a purpose um, because I think there, there are definitely um things out there that that give you good information but again you have to peel back the layers not take it at face value uh and and understand what you're getting into um and again also researching these different groups or these programs and talking to people that have been in them and and not not just what you see on tv or in a marketing piece it's it's seeking people out, going into forums and and groups, social media groups, and trying to find people who've actually had experience utilizing these programs, these masterminds, these systems, talking to them, find out what worked, what didn't work. Did you have success? Did you not have success? And do your due diligence. I always, you know, because I just think that taking things at face value can be a, a recipe for disaster. Well, for being as tired as you are, I think that was pretty good feedback there. I'm I'm quite impressed, you know, because you're um, and I agree with you. You know, what I mean, I think you're, um, pardon the pun, but I, I think you're you're right on point. Um, you know, the, the yeah, we're we're going to do that a lot during this podcast, I'm sure. Um, but I, you know, I was taking some notes when you were talking there. I think you know, learn by doing is is such a, a big part of of not only real estate but everything in general, and um, you have to you have to take it in and um and and kind of consume as much as you can to a point because i think there can be over consumption of content and you know looking at you know a million different asset classes and i'm sure it, for people who go to conferences and things like that you always know that person who every time you see them it could be every couple months or a couple, you know every, once a year or something like that they're doing something different you know for they're in multifamily then they're in single family then they're in uh, uh, uh hotels or you know then they're selling uh, you know oil and gas or something like that you know what i mean so i think there's a a part of the content space that can be that what's that next shiny object uh and it, this kind of goes back to our conversation from a couple weeks ago where we were talking about going beyond the um the mar going beyond the headlines when it comes to you know doing market due diligence and things like that and i think it's the same thing same kind of concept when it comes to you know the courses and the masterminds and articles and books and stuff like that you like you said Ron you have to take into consideration who's 
who's coming up with that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? And, and like, even for us, you know what I mean? Like we, we, we love single family, we love affordable housing. Uh, you know what I mean? So we're typically going to come from a place of a foundation of, you know, here's the reasons we like it. Here's the reasons we don't. Uh, and one of the things I think that's great about a community is, is when you, and when you listen and you're open to other people's perspectives, they might not come from that same foundation. So I think you can, it's very helpful, you know, in, in the sense to listen to them and see things from their perspective and all um were you gonna say something wait it looked like you're look like you were wanting to <laughs> i have nothing to say <laughs> okay, uh, okay. I, I do i do want to say something about well you know you you, you kind of cued off of you know learn by doing i think it's important when people take that approach you need to assess where you are in your life you know when i was in my 20s and taking risks and learning by doing, there's a lot of risks I took back then that I wouldn't take now because I have a family, I have kids. So I think it's always important when somebody wants to take that approach and is going to take the chance, you've got to assess where you are in life and what your risk tolerance really can be. You know, you don't want to Things can go wrong very quickly. The last thing you want to do is is you know lose all your money. Um, so I think it's always important when when you want to take that step, you need to think long and hard about where you are and just how much you want to put on the table uh, if you're going to take that chance. Yeah, I I, I completely agree with you, and uh, I think that you know, putting things into practice helps. Uh, and, you know, so, so learning it and then going out and doing it is, is, you know, and that, that's the only way you can learn, you know, for me, when I got into the industry, I was, I was lucky enough to have, you know, mentors and people I could ask for advice for, and, you know, kind of any question I had, you know, I had somebody I could go to for an answer and um, not everybody's fortunate to have that. I mean, so and it was interesting, you guys looking at this from a different perspective, but I'm I'm sure that the courses and, and the masterminds, the communities have become as popular as they are because there's there's people who who went through an experience, which you guys did, uh, where they didn't have that experience. I mean, 20, 30 years ago, I mean, they didn't have the ability to go to those things. So they saw an opportunity in the space to start something like that, you know what I mean, and to try to you know, share their challenges and, and, you know, their successes and then, you know, try to help other people to reach that. Um, so I think there's something to be said for that. And, um, you know, if you can learn from other people's successes and challenges and not have to have the same, make the same mistakes and things like that, then that's absolutely great. Um, but sometimes like you, you've both said, I mean, you have to, you know, you're going to make mistakes, you know, I mean, you're, you're going to have issues. And I think that's where a lot of these articles and I say exposés, I mean, some of them were kind of, uh, you know, pretty critical of of the masterminds and some of these, you know, guru types, um, you know, but of course, you know, there's going to be students who who take things and run with it. And, you know, you have to make it your own. I mean, so maybe they didn't, you know, maybe they, they grew too fast or, you know, whatever it may be, especially in multifamily where, you know, the tide was was very much in the favor of that industry for the last couple of years. And now things have changed. So people need to revise and, and stuff like that. Their strategies and, you know, their underwriting or their due diligence. And I, I think having a community to fall back on and, you know, having other people who are doing the same thing to ask questions to and things like that comes in handy. Um, so the. Um, 
I say what, what, what's any any other thoughts on that before we uh, before we kind of to move on there. I don't think so. Yeah, I think you. I think we covered well, unless, that. Unless Wade does. <laughs> I'm curious to hear like what Wade, Wade's take because Wade, you've done a lot of different things over the years, from single family to hotels to notes, and you know when you were. You know, when you were entering like the when you were transitioning from from the single family world to the to the note world, you know, how did you how did you learn the business? How did you research the business? And I mean, like, did you have was there anybody like who you could think who kind of helped you, held your hand in, mm-hmm. in a sense? Or, you know, was it just were you forging like going through the woods back back behind you there, just kind of cutting trees and making your own path or what? Well, I. Yeah, I haven't thought about that in a while, but it uh, makes me feel a little stupid. Um, actually, when I think about how it starts going down, I mean, I didn't know anything about notes when we fought our, bought our first portfolio. And we bought uh, 70 something, 70, 79 or something like that, all in Chicago. And uh, I didn't know anything about Chicago. Um I learned quickly that the reason I was able to buy those loans is because the preponderance of note buyers hate Cook County. Well, I didn't know that, so I bought them. And uh, yeah, so that's like I said, it's the hard way. So you you figure out Cook County uh, really quick, um, or you get crushed. So we're actually pretty good at Cook County, and we we focus on Cook County because most people avoid it. But I mean, there's a, obviously a big leap to buy in 70 some loans all at once. But when I think back, I, you know, I, I think I just wasn't in the circle or I didn't even know that such social groups existed that I could tap into. And probably had I been more aware, uh, I, I would have done it maybe, or I should have done it, or maybe I'm foolish that it never even crossed my mind to do it. Uh, but yeah, you, you, you figure it out quickly. And I, I don't know that that's a bad thing, but obviously in hindsight, there's a, there's a million forums you can go on now with note trading or, you know, single family home investing or whatever. And yeah, it would be wise. It would be wise to speak with people that know something. Uh, but at the time of doing that, I knew real estate. So I figured, okay, I'm just buying, I'm just buying that asset a little bit upstream for a little bit better discount. What can go wrong? You know, I, I understood the asset class. I understood leverage and, uh, you know, I figured I could wing it after that. <laughs> so I don't know. It worked out, right? We're all here. So. Well, I think you you bring up a really good point, and I I often wonder this, and I think one of the themes that's coming to my mind right now is this foundation. And I think Ron, you had said it, because um, I'm I'm really big on on foundation, and you know I kind of have uh, my you know couple rules of life that I live by, or you know things that I often come back to if I'm ever looking for inspiration or motivation or, you know, kind of need some guidance or something like that. And one of those first things that I'll come back to is what is my foundation? And I mean, like, what, what, what am I, what am I good at? What am I not good at? What do I like to do? What do I not, what do I not like to do? You know, and then how do I kind of go from there? 
Um, and you know, you, you made a good point, Wade, where it was like your foundation was, was single family and you understood that aspect and, and notes was, was a similar, was just a different angle of it. I mean, you're talking about first mortgages, not, not second. Yeah, yeah. So, so that there's a, um, collateral is the same. So it's, yeah. Which I think yeah, is you're right. It, and and I, I think you can go to these seminars and, and learn nuances, like, so many things I probably could have learned had I asked or had someone educated me as, as far as these notes go. But, but it's when I, when I think foundation, like you're talking about, it's, it's a general sense of how financing works. It's a general sense of what is expected out of collateral. And it, you, you, you can get accounting, just general accounting understanding. And I was fortunate to have some of these classes in college. And I, so I, I understood it. And I think that lends itself to um, a multitude of disciplines outside of just real estate, even. Um, obviously, real estate is what we're discussing here. But if you have those foundations, you you know how to manage your checkbook. You know how to budget. You know how to get a loan, save for a loan. You know, if, if, you're, if you have those aspects of any kind of investing, finance, collateral, uh, general rules you you can that's a good start now you can get into the nuances of how to identify you know if you need a new roof or or this that or the other or or how to get a you know a vagrant out of your home that's taken over in cook county you know things like that yeah that'd be helpful but if you have a general understanding your foundation you're talking about peters that's the most important right yeah well you're peeling the onion back pretty far there. And I like that a lot. You know what I mean? Cause I, I think one thing that sometimes frustrates me in this industry or, or bothers me is when people, people, I think sometimes it could be a little bit too much when it comes to a team. You know what I mean? And, and you guys know me from like a, from like a fundraising perspective, I want to know how to do everything. You know what I mean? Like I want to know how to do every aspect of the business uh, from construction to property management to acquisitions to underwriting, due diligence, accounting. I mean, I want to know everything that's going on. Every uh, the I want to know how the people that are really good at it, what they how what they how they look at things and all that kind of stuff. Now, do I need to know every single thing for what I do on a daily basis? I mean, yes and no. I mean, do I need the the minute details of every little thing? And I mean, not to the extreme of the person who's running that aspect or doing that on a daily basis. So I, I, sometimes I see people will will give the advice of, you know, just work with people who if if you don't know due diligence, you know, or how to underwrite a market or analyze a market or you don't have property management, just go work with somebody who does. You know, and I think, you know, that doesn't work for everybody's personality. It doesn't work for my personality. I mean, I would want to know what's going on and what's that like, because how do I judge if that person really does know their stuff or not? You know what I mean? Or if they're just kind of, uh, you know, they act like they do or they can talk the talk, but they don't really walk the walk, that kind of thing. Um, so I, I think sometimes it frustrates me and I could see people getting frustrated in the industry because they feel like they don't they don't know the property management side or they don't know the construction side and what you're saying wait is it's it's sometimes there's there's probably other deeper if you peel the layer of the onion back more and more you probably can find something foundationally that will help you to build you know a sturdy aspect you know or build from a sturdy foundation to learn those things and take them on uh, but also you know i mean so it's like you're looking for a balance of you know 
leaning on your own foundation and then, you know, working with other people, learning from them. And then, you know, just that kind of learn by doing and putting things into practice and always revisiting and revising from there. So it sounds like there's, there's kind of a, a balance and which, which is like anything in life. Would you agree, Ron? Well, and I, I think rib? there's the, the other aspect that uh, too, is that the personalities that they don't, they won't do anything until they, they do know everything. Mm-hmm. And and I don't think that's the right. Uh, again, if you if you understand your financial capabilities and the leverage you're using, if you're using any, you know you can assess a certain amount of risk and move forward without having to know all the intimate details or what could possibly go wrong. Um, and maybe that's a foolish statement. Maybe I'm more of a risk taker than I should be. But <laughs> well, no, uh, what's you, the you analysis your... by paralysis by analysis, or I mean, what's, well, that's, what's that? that's paralysis right. of analysis? Yeah, it's totally true. I mean, that's like a real thing. Yeah, but uh, at some point, you know, it's it's not. We we talk right. There's a there's a lot of issues we and horror stories we have all had, but. Um, it's really not that complicated of a business. It's messy, but it's not really that complicated. And and the math is generally pretty simple. And you you, you mentioned something earlier when you, you were talking about how you might have been able to utilize some of these groups or forums, and you used the phrase nuances. There are certain things in this business from the finance side to the construction side to the property management side, all throughout the whole process that sometimes I think, and Wade, I was just thinking this through as you were talking, sometimes, and it ties into what Peter was saying about Peter wanting to understand every single step of the process. I think there are days that you and I, because of our collective years of experience, have we've forgotten some of the stuff we've learned. It's always there. It's in the back Mm -hmm. of your mind, and it comes up when a certain situation arises. But those are those nuances you're talking about that you truly only learn through experience. I mean, I mentioned earlier I was a history major. It was not very good with math, never realized finance and math really aren't the same things. Mm-hmm. And about 10 years into my real estate journey, I'm structuring all my own deals and handing them to my broker and he's getting paid on. And I said, wait a second, I'm not going to keep doing this work and you're going to get paid. We're going to go start our own shop. And he says, wait, don't do that. Come partner with me. And I spent three days a week in New York doing commercial and residential real estate finance. Those are those things that you learn through doing that you don't even realize that you're learning sometimes. And if you have an app, and I do think aptitude is important because I think people's, certain people's brains work a certain way. And it's not to say that, you know, everybody can't be successful in real estate investing, but I don't think everybody can be successful being investing in real estate and being an operator as well, because I do think that it takes a certain aptitude. And a lot Mm -hmm. of times, you know, and again, I'm going to go back to Wade and I, with our experience, I think we learned so many different facets over the years without even realizing we were learning them. You know, when you got into the note business, you kind of jumped in with both feet. 
when I got into the construction side, I jumped in with both feet, then jumped in with both feet to the investing side. And then, you know, the finance piece of it happened, you know, organically to one extent or another. Um, so I think to become well-rounded in this, investing in real estate is one thing. Running a real estate investment company is a whole different story. So I think you need to kind of look at these things in two different silos. You know, you can go to a to a seminar and learn how to invest in a piece of real estate, but to run a real estate investment business is a whole different animal, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I, I think there's even more to that too. That Like it's one thing to say, okay, I want to learn how to flip houses. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, I'll backtrack. Where, where I'm going with this is I think in order to be properly successful in real estate you have to be a chameleon sometimes house flipping works and sometimes it doesn't and if you don't have something else to fall back on uh you get in trouble fast and you learn this by you know watching your real estate agent on a super slim deal that you took all the risk and all the work on and your real estate agent is you know making their whatever they're splitting six points or splitting five or whatever and and she's making almost as much money as you are without any risk. But when the when that flipping market changes, now now what are you doing? Uh the situation I get in all the time with with notes is I I have the pressure that I need to be able to buy enough assets at this next auction or from this other vendor to stay alive for another 12 months. And and then suddenly I find myself bidding myself into a situation where there is no profit. So I I don't like the pressure of being forced to perform in that type of environment because it's bad for my business. That's why we have other businesses. We have a bunch of rental units and they perform every single month. So I don't feel the pressure of having to perform with, with mortgages, you know, two or three times a year. We don't flip houses all the time. We do when it makes sense, but you have to be able to, so these people that they do their own accounting, they're a real estate agent and they're flipping homes and they have a rental portfolio. I mean, you 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 start insulating yourself from the market, protecting yourself, hedging yourself. And I, I know we're probably off the rails here, but uh, I, those are the things I think about before going headlong in any one direction. There's we have seen real estate stand on its ear a number of times. And then what's the fallback plan? Well, you were there, Ron. Uh, we both had, I had 600 and some rental houses in 07. You were neck deep in construction back then. And everything came to a screeching halt. Yep. What happened? I had nothing. I had no fallback plan after that. So I was scrambling. No, and one of my big takeaways from that was the amount of opportunity that presented itself post-2008. Yes. I wasn't yeah. in a position to really capitalize on it. And I kick oh, myself no. to this day and those lessons that I learned mm-hmm. that I always want to be prepared for the next market anomaly to be able to capitalize on. Because inevitably... When something like that happens, there is opportunity on the other side of it. And usually it's some of the best opportunity you'll ever see. 100%. Yeah, we could probably... Peter. 
<laughs> no, I think this is a great conversation. And I think uh, a couple of things that were mentioned there, um, you know, we could take a whole podcast and, and talk about any, any one of those types of things. And, um, you know, one thing I, I last week that we spoke about uh, was the construction side of the business and working with uh, general contractors and how to find a good GC. And um, there was a, just a, a bunch of different things we discussed on due diligencing a, a general contractor, how to find them and questions to ask and all that kind of stuff. And one thing I wanted to follow up with today was, you know, take that to, to the next step. You know what I mean? So you, we found a good general contractor. Now, what do you do? Um, so let me pose that question. Let's have a conversation around that. And then, you know, we'll call it a wrap and, uh, we'll continue next week. And maybe, you know, we'll touch back on some of the things that we're talking about now. Cause like I said, I I've taken some notes and I think that, uh, there was a lot of really good, good talking points there that, uh, we should give justice to and, and speak more on. So Ron, let's start with you. What uh, so you 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 have a good general contractor you think is good you mean that you that you trust uh, or, or you know so far you trust that kind of thing and you want to work with them what do you do? I got to be honest with you. I, I think Wade might be better to kick this off because he, <laughs> you know you don't work with a GC in a long time, right? No, I mean, yeah. I mean, to, to be honest with you, no. Um, it, you know, I, I can tell you how to protect yourself against GCs, but. I mean, Wade with the tech side of the business, they're like we talked about on the last episode, they're interviewing people all the time. So to be honest with you, he probably has more experience with the GCs than I do. Yeah, I think that makes sense. When I said it actually too, I thought Wade might, might have a better answer than you. Uh, so yeah, let Wade, let's start with you. And then, you know, maybe if we have time, we'll come back to the point you made there, Ron, with protecting yourself, or maybe we'll leave that for, for next time around. So sure. Wade. You, you do this on a, on a regular basis. I mean, so you, you've gotten, you've called your, your property managers and your agents and you've gotten bids and you, you know, from a couple different uh, crews, you know, you have somebody you want to work with. Take us, take us from there. Yeah. It's funny. We were actually on our, our Anders weekly call yesterday and going through this with our attorney. Cause we're cleaning up some stuff. So there's two roads that you they'll usually happen. You you've engaged a contractor and they'll have their own contract. So they've whatever they've submitted a sixty thousand dollar bid, and they'll typically have a, a scope of work that's tied to some kind of a contract and how they want to get paid. And depending how organized they are or how sophisticated that document is, we may or may not use it, but we always have an addendum that will slap on that same agreement that sort of tells them how we're going to do things just because they want to get paid this way. doesn't mean we're going to pay them that way. Uh, and then in some cases, uh, especially in more rural areas, you'll deal with a contractor that doesn't really have a contract. So we have our own. And and this is where, as, as we were dialoguing with our attorney, I, I think we scared him a bit, but sometimes I guess it depends on the dollar amount before I'm going to go through the effort with a full blown contract. Because sometimes I'll have a guy just run in and do some paint and carpet. You know, it's $4,500. And I usually don't go through the whole contract process with that. If it's, you know, you get up there in the 50s and 60s, uh, we typically do. Anyway, there's there's reasons for that. But uh, the first thing we always do is our, our legal compliance guy, he wants the GC's license. He wants proof of liability insurance. 
He wants proof of workman's comp. And workman's comp's a big deal because if you have a contractor and one of his guys falls off a ladder and hurts himself and he doesn't have workman's comp, his attorney is going to come after you or me. So workman's comp, I almost pay more attention to than anything else because I know my liability will cover him if he doesn't have liability. But workman's comp can be tricky. So those three things, you get his GC license, proof of liability, proof of workman's comp. And, and if you have that, you're from a liability perspective or uh, managing your risk, that's a big step forward. If he doesn't have a GC license, that should be a red flag. If he doesn't have insurance, that should be another red flag. And now you're just exposing yourself. and Probably you don't want to use that guy. Is that enough? <laughs> That's certainly, you know, I think great advice for anyone and, you know, kind of makes it simple and, and to the point. Uh, talk to yeah. us about the, were you just something you're going to add there? Right? I was going to say, I mean, the only things I would add to that are, you know, obviously the insurance weighs spot on. Make sure that you're a named insured. Depending upon the state you're in, this doesn't always work, but you can have a no lien clause in your contract, so which prevents the contractor from filing a mechanics lien on the property. Sometimes they're not enforceable, but it doesn't hurt to have it in there. Um, you know, and then just you know the structure of your contract from from a payment standpoint, making sure there's always benchmarks that you're you're um, you're setting for 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 the payment schedule and uh and permitting too that would be the other thing yeah we do a waiver release too before we give them that last payment the the usually we split our payments up into three sections but before we do the third one we want that that lien waiver executed yep well so ron you kind of went exactly the way i was i was going to take it you know what what is it in the contract that you're looking for you know what are the non-negotiables what are the kind of things you want to see um, from a what you want to see and then what you don't want to see. And I mean, so like, what, what do you, if you're not seeing it, what are you putting on the, the addendum, that kind of thing? Well, I mean, Wade just pretty much nailed it all. Um, I mean, you know, assuming everything in the contract, yeah, you can have a great contract and you can agree to all these terms. But to be honest with you, the, the next piece of it is really, contractors, I think, have a way of not, I don't want to say not sticking to their payment schedules, but they always want as much upfront as they can possibly get. And I think it's a delicate balance where they have to operate. They have to order materials. You shouldn't expect them to go out in front and pay for everything. Um, so it's setting it. And a lot of times it depends on the scope of work, what you're doing, the extent of the work you know, how you're going to set that up. I agree with Wade, you know, thirds is a very good way to do it. If it's a really big project, you could certainly break it up a little bit more. But it's really about holding the contractor accountable to the schedule because they'll take their first draw, do work, and sometimes they'll come to you and say, hey, I'm ready for the next draw. Well, you need to make sure they're actually ready for the next draw and know what you're looking for. Um, Because the last thing you want to do is leave yourself exposed. I've seen this happen way too many times. A project will go great for the first 90% of it. It's the last 10% that can be the biggest issue. You know, it could be 
a two-month project that it takes them 90 days to do or 30 days to do the first the first 90%, and it takes them another 30 days to do the last 10%. And a lot of times it comes down to bickering of money. Also, change orders, you need to have um you need to have things in your contract about change orders, make sure that they're specified, that they can't just arbitrarily at their discretion, go out and do additional work without you signing off on it. So change orders are important, especially when you're rehabbing a home that, you know, if you tear off the roof, the sheathing's bad. Well, that wasn't included in the original price, but we had to do it anyway. You want to make sure there are provisions in there for all. And there are a lot of good form contracts out there that you can utilize. Um, If you ever have any questions, go to your real estate attorney. Ask them, you know, attorneys usually have good contracts. If you don't have experience with it, I mean, Wade's just, I mean, what he was just talking about, working hand in hand with um, the attorney that Anders works with, um, you know, in, in developing the contract and making sure everybody everything's covered. So, you know, if you don't have experience with this, if you don't have a form contract that you use, talk to an attorney. I think, uh, I think we covered a, a pretty good ground there. I mean, it gave some good action items and good things to uh, to take into perspective next time you're structuring a contract or uh, with a general contractor. Let's leave it there. Um, I think it was kind of short and sweet and to the point. And uh, we'll pick it up with um, getting into, you know, the, the protecting yourself beyond the contract and maybe some of the management, you know, construction management and things like that. And like what you said, Ron, you know, making sure they are, you know, ready for the next draw, that kind of thing. And, you know, so maybe we'll pick it up there and then we could talk about, you know, red flags and things like that to look out for and maybe some tell some stories and that kind of thing. So, um, well, I think this was a great conversation, gentlemen. I think we covered a lot of ground and uh, hopefully provided some great value uh, we started off talking about the community, so I just want to give a little plug to that. I mean, if uh, if you're interested, uh, on our website, gsprei.com, there is um, information and you can request more information on the uh, on the community aspect of the Real Estate Investing On Point podcast. And if you want to interact with us directly and ask questions and all that kind of stuff, you know, that's a perfect place to do it. So, We appreciate you uh, listening to another episode of the Real Estate Investing On Point podcast uh, from myself and Ron and Wade. Uh, We greatly appreciate you and we'll check you on the next one. Well, there you have it. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Investing On Point podcast. Be sure to subscribe and join us live on one of our virtual meetups. You can find more information on our website at gsprei.com. That's gsprei.com. Thank you again and God bless. We'll look forward to catching you on the next one.